I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My mother and papa got married in 1964 and moved to Argentina that fall. Papa's music had caught on down there, and he was given a lot of creative opportunities. He hosted a radio show on Thursday nights, taped an hour-long TV drama on Fridays, and on Saturdays, or maybe it was Sundays, he hosted a music show for teenagers. He was busy. This was a beautiful time for them living in a cozy two-story villa on the outskirts of Buenos Aires, going to fabulous parties, trying to start a family. My mom loved it, and Papa's career was thriving. But the political situation was tense. Political turmoil continues in the Argentine in the wake of the removal of President Arturo Frondizi by the military. The country was in upheaval. Six presidents over the past nine years, and the Americans and Russians were both trying to gain influence. Meanwhile, there's a military rule in Argentina, with troops in full battle dress patrolling the streets. The major hemispheric democracies, including the United States, have expressed concern over the military coup. My mom would have preferred to stay out of the political scene, but then... Papa did an interview on his TV show with a Russian cosmonaut named Valentina Tereshkova. Soviet womanhood got its biggest boost ever one day in June 1963 when Valentina Tereshkova became the first woman astronaut. My father's interview was broadcasted across the country. Soon after, the Argentinian police showed up at their front door. The agents wanted Papa to confess to being paid off by the Soviets, to say that the interview was actually a propaganda stunt. But he wasn't paid off. And Papa laughed them away. 
confident they were just scare tactics. My mom, she wasn't so sure. Papa continued to be really busy with his work, and my mom was always trying to keep the romance alive. One evening, my mom made up a spare bedroom like a love den. Flowers, candles, strawberries. Papa came home from a long day at work. When all of a sudden, shots tore through their real bedroom. The gunfire lasted a while. If they hadn't been in that spare bedroom, they might have been dead. Mom and Papa called the police, but no one came until the next day. And even then, a single policeman showed up on a bicycle and did nothing. Someone had put out a hit on them. Their lives were at risk. And I think that's when my mom realized they were in the middle of a heated battle, a battle between political factions in Argentina, a battle between two superpowers, really. A Cold War battle between the U.S. and the USSR. Love your brother! But hate your enemy! I'm Ramona Reed, and this is Red Elvis. I used to think that peace and love were just the same. Then I learned that life is not only a game. Each man must fight and fight again But never, never, never let your life just flow away Let your life have value every day Episode 2, Our Summer Romance Let's go back in time. It's 1960 before Argentina. Papa's in Hollywood. He'd gotten a deal with Capitol Records and had released a few singles, but he was not happy. His own manager sold his contract to a syndicate that functioned, in his words, like a mafia. He thought Hollywood was a machine that only cared about one thing, money. But then the record company started actually seeing some money from his record sales. And when the nights were cold, in dreams that you are holding, Papa's song, Our Summer Romance, had climbed the charts in Chile. Polls showed he was more popular in the country than Elvis Presley. So the record company sent him on a 40-day tour to Chile, Brazil, Peru, and Argentina. It was a huge surprise that this song was such a big hit in South America. I think they knew that it was doing well when they sent him down there, but they didn't know how well it was doing. This is my papa's friend, Neil Jacobs. They didn't know he was going to get this overwhelming response. I mean, he just was mobbed all the time. This was his big moment, I think, and he seized it. He did not back off. And the people adopted him as their American idol, their American superstar. It was like, really like absolute pandemonium and chaos. It was like Beatlemania, but two years before Beatlemania. This is my cousin, Jim Reed. This tour of South America was, I think it was pretty grueling for him because he not only was performing his concerts and doing his rehearsing and doing all the things that a normal music star would do, 
But then afterwards, he would put countless hours into meeting with people, writing letters, making personal connections with people. He had to learn the language. He immersed himself in the culture. And I think that endeared him to the people even more. Papa loved the adoration and attention, but I think he also fell in love with the way of life. Here's Papa talking about it in a radio interview. Usually, Americans and Europeans think that you have to sing only if you have a good vocal cords. And I learned in South America, everybody sings uh, because they've learned that you don't sing from your throat, you sing from your heart. So I think at this point in Dean's career, he's just in a few years gone from strumming his guitar and maybe writing a love song for a high school sweetheart to performing his music in front of thousands of fans, being an international star. And he's in his early 20s, a time when we're naturally developing quite a bit of confidence as young men. I can imagine that nothing seemed impossible to him at that point. 1961 and 1962, uh, I was the most famous singer of South America uh, at that time, the rock and roll singer of South America in Chile. I had a 58-man police guard to walk through the streets. About the same as Elvis Presley had in North America, I was in South America. But even though he had thousands of adoring fans at his shows, The more he looked around, the more he realized Americans weren't loved by everyone. In San Diego, Dean started to notice that there was uh, Yankee go home sentiment and it was scrawled on walls and in the the slums and uh, he was surprised. My mom, Patricia, everyone called her Patty. Papa called her Kitten. She was an actress, passionate, spontaneous. She was tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, a beauty queen who had been in the running for Miss Universe 1955. Not to brag, but she was a master at charming people. She dated all the hot bachelors at the time, Rock and roll star Ricky Nelson, big band leader Les Brown Sr., TV star Hugh O'Brien. She had the look. In 1963, my mother was in L.A. to do a cigarette commercial. She was in a meeting at the Milton Deutsch ad agency, wearing a cute little miniskirt and a tight top. When Dean Reed walked in, they locked eyes. Papa was instantly smitten. My mom, well, she paid him no mind. He was just another pretty face in Hollywood. Even though down in South America where we met him, he was the number one singing star, I'm sure that most of you folks in this country haven't really heard of him as yet. He's going to be equally as big here, I'm sure. Mr. Dean Reed. How about it, huh, Dean? Papa was still working hard to build his career in the U.S., doing TV interviews and appearances. He dropped off some headshots at the agency and left without saying more than hello to my mom. But Papa was a persistent guy. He got her number from his agent. Look, this is at a time when agents gave out numbers. That would never happen today. And then he called her that night. They talked for two to three hours. A few days later, they went to a party at Roger Smith and Victoria Shaw's Hollywood home. And three days after that, she moved into his cottage. They called it the treehouse because a huge oak tree hung over the patio. It was dreamy. They'd be married within six months, down in Mexico while they were filming a movie. Papa had to fly back to California almost right away. 
I found this letter he wrote to her not long after their wedding. My dearest Patty, my wife, the moon is full here. I haven't really had time to sleep since I've been back. We practice every night between 7.30 and 12.30. Then every day is running around, meeting. I'm so excited about many things. First, the most important publishing company is publishing our song. For I'm in love with a pretty little girl who wears a diamond ring. They have assured me that Harry Belafonte and Joan Baez will have it within two weeks. Remember the letter which was sent to me about the nationwide publicity campaign? Well, I talked with the people yesterday and we will have dinner with them Sunday. If we get the deal, we will have no more financial worries for quite some time. Keep your fingers crossed and think only good thoughts. I will arrive at 5.30 Thursday morning, so I won't get you out of bed to meet me. Just be sure that the bed is warm for me when I arrive. God, I miss you, and I hope you miss me even more so. I will try to make you happy, Mrs. Reed, I promise. Good night, my wife and my love, Dino. I've got gold in the morning sun. That nationwide publicity campaign, as far as I can tell, never materialized. But what started as Papa chasing a dream of stardom became something a little different. Papa had a political awakening. Here's Victor Grossman, a friend of his, talking about Papa's first tour in South America. Dean saw the contradiction between signs saying Yankee go home and shouts of Yankee go home and celebration of himself as an American. He wrote some words about that, which are very interesting. Yankee go home. It was a cry that affected me deeply. Something seemed to be wrong in the friendly world as I knew it. I was celebrated wherever I went, while countrymen of mine were insulted and threatened. Why? What were the reasons for this? I did not know yet. It was then that I saw for the first time under what degrading conditions some people live. I remember driving along the edge of a slum on my way to a beach on the Pacific. There was abject misery in those shacks. There were barefoot children by the road in torn shirts whose bloated stomachs bore testimony to their malnutrition. It was at that time I started thinking. There was the healthy world of a modern metropolis, and there were the slums. There was the officially favored friendship with my home country, and there were cries of Yankee go home. Here's Justin Jampol, founder and executive director of the Vinda Museum of the Cold War Era. When Dean Reed sees the extraordinary poverty, I think he realizes that his celebrity gives him a platform, that he has a responsibility, not only as an American, but as somebody who grew up in these rural areas like the people that he sees with his own eyes. And he starts investigating why they're in this position. And what he realizes is that A lot of it has to do with American foreign policy and American business interests that have exploited the land and considered South America America's backyard. 
A lot of South Americans suffered as a result of businesses, American businesses, extracting natural resources. South America was a hotbed of dissent and growing opposition to American influence. And socialism, in some cases, appeared as an alternative. It was in opposition to American foreign policy at that time. And American foreign policy at that time was not about, you know, the sort of ideals of equality that, uh, that they espoused. I think a lot of South Americans and Central Americans experienced just the opposite. Papa's friend Neil Jacobs again. I think he started to be angry about what he was seeing. And uh, with his newfound power and uh, fame, he decided to do what he could to help the, the people of South America. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, guys. I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until mankind has banished both war and its instruments of destruction, the United States must maintain an effective quantity and quality of nuclear weapons. In 1962, Dean really flexed his political muscle for the first time. He heard that Kennedy was resuming atmospheric nuclear testing and he was against it. I have today authorized the Atomic Energy Commission and the Department of Defense to conduct a series of nuclear tests to take place in the atmosphere over the Pacific Ocean wrote a letter to the Chilean people, and he took out an advertisement in the paper, uh, critical of it. And this stirred up quite a furor. After Dean Reed publishes this advertisement, rejecting JFK, rejecting US atmospheric testing of nuclear arms, it attracts the attention of the FBI. So they tried to look for Dean Reed to have a chat with him. I mean, you can't just say these inflammatory things as an American in the height of the Cold War in South America especially not such a public way. So they track Dean Reed down to his hotel room and they want to have a chat with him because they want to bring to his attention 
that what he's doing is ruffling a lot of feathers back home. I've got the FBI file here that records the transcript between Dean Reed and Warren Swopes, this representative from the State Department. And it's pretty extraordinary if you listen to this exchange. Now keep in mind, Dean Reed at this time is 23 years old and already finding his political voice. Mr. Swopes, you've received quite a lot of publicity in the past couple of days. Dean Reed. If you're trying to say that I did this for publicity, you're all wrong. Swopes. No, we just think that you are in a dangerous position talking against the policy of the United States. Be careful, Mr. Swopes. I only talked of saving lives and of peace. I hope to God that is not against the policy of the United States. President Kennedy has explained that we must do this to keep communism out. Do you want to live under communism? No, but before I kill myself and the rest of humanity, yes. Papa could be so feisty. He never backed down from a fight. I think his whole life was being rebellious. And I go back to his childhood. I think he was rebellious against his father. He didn't do what his father wanted him to do. He didn't finish school. He went off to Hollywood. It was in his nature. Probably the more you told him not to do something, the more likely he would be to do it. And besides, that coupled with his incredible fame and confidence, I don't think anything was going to stop him. The Cold War in the late 1950s, early 1960s, is when the uprisings start to foment around the world, and especially in places where America is really active, both in business interests and in politics. At the heart of this is in Cuba. Not only do you get the Cuban Revolution and the rise of Fidel Castro as a rejection of American foreign policy, but you get the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Cuban Missile Crisis is probably the closest we came to the end of the world during the Cold War. I call upon Chairman Khrushchev to halt and eliminate this clandestine, reckless, and provocative threat to world peace and to stable relations between our two nations. He has an opportunity now to move the world back from the abyss of destruction. So this is the moment in which the Cold War is really heating up. And who's right smack dab in the middle of it all? Dean Reed. Dean Reed meets Che Guevara, Dean Reed meets Fidel Castro, and Dean Reed becomes part of the Cold War story. My mom recalled in a journal a night that she would never forget. It's a story she'd love to tell. I remember the rain streaming down on the tile roof of our villa in Argentina. It was a dark night and late, but Dean and I were expecting a writer friend. As Dean opened the door, we saw our friend standing next to a very dark and ill-dressed hobo. This surprise guest certainly did not look very important to us. I took his arm, and Dean removed his heavy, well-used overcoat. He was having a hard time breathing, and he apologized. Well, I gave him some medicine to help him breathe better. And then I went into the kitchen to finish up the cooking. Our strange guest peeked his head in and asked if I needed some help. He exclaimed he loved cooking and that he had not been in a kitchen for a long time. I told him to try the pasta sauce and see if it was salted enough. He added a little bit more, and... He turned to help me dish out the pasta. And then I saw his face in the full light. Oh, my God. 
It was Che Guevara. The whole world was looking for him. He had been, with much courage, hiding out in Argentina where he was born, trying to stir up a revolution among the poor people. It was clear to me that we were in danger by having this man in our home. But being young and always living on the edge with Dean, I became captivated by the fascination of the event. So I served dinner in candlelight. The evening went into the early hours. Conversation by the huge fireplace and overstuffed chairs. And, well, he and Dean went round and round about world politics. It was all in Spanish, and I could only catch some of the conversation. And I would ask Dean to translate, but that didn't last long. So I just served the brandy and curled up on the couch next to Dean and fell asleep. Dean woke me up to say goodbye. The name my papa and mother gave me is Ramona Shemaine Gavada Price Reed. They each have a special meaning. When I was six years old, papa wrote me a letter from Cuba about some of the solidarity concerts he gave attended by thousands of people. My dearest daughter Ramona, during all of these concerts, Papa Dino told all of the people about his daughter, Ramona Guevara, and they all clapped their hands when they found out that you have the name of Guevara in honor of their great hero. Che Guevara was an Argentinian man who came to fight for the freedom of the poor people of Cuba with Fidel Castro. After two years in the jungles, they won the battle. But before they won, all the children had no schools. The people were hungry because they had no food, and they had pain in their bodies because they had no hospitals, doctors, or dentists. And today, 15 years after Che Guevara and Fidel won the revolution, all the children in Cuba go to school. They can all go to the dentist to get their teeth fixed, and their mamas and papas do not have to worry that they won't have enough money to buy food for their families. In Bolivia, the bad people and the rich people sent soldiers to kill him. He died a great hero for all of us in the world who believe in socialism and peace and freedom. That is why thousands of people each night here in Cuba cheered and applauded you, Ramona. Soon you will be seven years old. Happy birthday. Love, Papadino. Of course, I love getting that letter. I didn't really know what socialism was at age six, but I like the part about people getting food and schooling and health care, even if Papa was simplifying things a bit. I also didn't know Papa was considered a threat. So here are Dean Reed's FBI files, 1966. He's in Argentina at this point, and he's becoming more and more involved in the international socialist movement. And that means that not only is he speaking out on behalf and in support of international Marxism, but he's also speaking up against American foreign policy. And what the FBI found out was he was making these shortwave radio calls back home, and he was expressing a lot of pro-communist, pro-socialist sympathies. FBI wanted to know what he was saying. So they found somebody secretly on the inside to record his conversations and then report back to the FBI. It says in the FBI report, his goal, politically, is to find a system which offers oneness. He stated that he is not ready to call himself a communist or a socialist, 
but his present feelings are that socialism is the best form of government. As to whether or not he approved use by the Communist Party of violent tactics, such as killings and bombings, Reed declared that the ends justified the means. He added that the United States intelligence services use the same kind of tactics. So, I mean, he's defending anything that needs to be done in order to achieve international socialism. I follow my own conscience no matter what the consequences. And it just happens to be that I agree more than I agree with the system in the West. The more he spoke out on behalf of these groups, the more blowback that he got from right-wing organizations and groups that rejected the left. Communism was the bad guy, and Dean Reed was on their side. There's a picture I found in my mom's files that I think about a lot. Papa is sitting on a floaty in his pool behind his villa with his German shepherd in his lap. He looks happy and relaxed. But the pool is, well, it's almost empty. It never made sense to me. Why isn't it full? I never got to ask my mom about it. But then I came across a letter where Papa talks about the pool, how they kept it half full because they could be hidden from view, away from the fans who would try to catch a glimpse through the hedges. But the prying eyes of fans weren't the only thing Papa had to worry about. There was a right-wing authoritarian regime gaining power in Argentina. One night, someone set fire to the fields behind their villa. And then someone poisoned their German shepherd. Someone painted a hammer and sickle on the wall of their villa as well. It was all too much. On April 4th, 1966, they said goodbye to Argentina with over 20,000 fans who had gathered at the airport to see them off. It was a very sad day. I hope before I leave this earth that I'll be able to find a land for people love instead of hate. A land that I can call mine. On the next episode of Red Ellis... Dean was evidently quite successful making these Italian westerns, they're called spaghetti westerns, including one with Yul Brynner. In the election of 1970, his friend, Salvador Allende, was running for president of Chile. He had to do whatever he could to support him. He had what I like to refer to as this Jane Fonda moment. He was taking on America there, and it was uh, very controversial. Today is Friday, I'm going into my 17th day of prison. So get all of my friends in Italy off their asses, for by the time you get this, I shall already have passed five days of no food. Red Elvis is a co-production of iHeart Podcasts and School of Humans, based on the Curiosity Stream documentary, Red Elvis, The Cold War Cowboy, directed by Thomas Ladder and produced by Talos Films. This show is hosted, co-written, and executive produced by Ramona Reed. Jason English, Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and L.C. Crowley are executive producers. Ryan Murdoch is the co-writer and senior producer. Jessica Metzger is the senior producer. Jeremy Thal, that's me, is our editor. Fact-checking by Savannah Hughley and Adam Bisno. This episode was mixed and mastered by Zubin Hensler. Thomas Ladder is consulting producer. Dean Reed is voiced by Mark Valley. Patty Reed is voiced by Nicole Britton. 
Casting support services provided by Breakdown Services. Music licensing by John Luongo for Trector Entertainment. Sound design and additional music by Jeremy Thal and Zubin Hensler. Narration recorded at JTB Studios, Los Angeles. Special thanks to John Higgins with Curiosity Stream. If you're enjoying the show, leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Check out the Curiosity Audio Network for podcasts covering history, pop culture, true crime, and more. (laughs) Superstar! School of Humans. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.